Hello, Renoites listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of Renoites. My name is Connor McQuivy. I'm your host. Good to have you here. This week on the podcast, I am welcoming Rachel Story. Rachel runs a local cat rescue called Feral at Heart, and she focuses on a process called Trap Neuter Return, which I had not heard of until recently. Basically, she helps trap feral cats, get them neutered, and then returns them to where they came from to help control the feral cat population. We had a great conversation about animal rescue, about shelters, about the Enchanted Cat Cafe, a new cat cafe in town where you can go get a coffee and visit with the cats and maybe adopt one, about the difference between animal control's approach towards cats versus dogs, about animal hoarding. She's dealt with a recent hoarding situation. Tons of interesting stuff around pets, shelters, animal stuff. Really great to talk to her and learned a whole lot. This week's episode is brought to you by DJ Trivia Nevada. DJ Trivia Nevada hosts free, family-friendly trivia nights at venues all around town. Local restaurants, bars, in basically every corner of Reno. I host several nights a week at different venues around town. I would love to see you come play at one of my venues or find one in your neighborhood. Find a host that you like. It's always free to play. It's a lot of fun. There's prizes for the winning teams. That's DJ Trivia Nevada. You can find them on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or all of the locations at DJTriviaNevada.com. This week's episode is also brought to you by This Is Reno. This Is Reno is our local news source, really. There's, of course, the local newspaper, local TV news, but they don't always cover everything that I want to know about what's going on. This Is Reno really does cover, I think, a lot of the stories that you're not really going to hear on the local news that are really important to what's going on in town. You can find them at thisisreno.com. Subscribe there. Get the daily email with the headlines and news stories in your email. Also on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. If you're not following This Is Reno, you're probably missing some of the important stories that are happening that affect our city. That's thisisreno.com. And hey, here's something fun that's coming up. Renoites is going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary. It's been one year since I started this podcast. I did... 32 episodes last year. I'm trying to do 30 episodes this year, but the podcast launched just about a year ago this March, and I'm throwing a little party to celebrate at the Brewer's Cabinet production facility. That's down off West 4th Street on White Fur, Thursday, March 10th from 5 to 7. So check out my social media. That's Renoites on Facebook or Instagram. I'm going to post a link to the event page. I hope that you'll join us. We're going to have some former guests, listeners. Everyone's invited. I think it'll be a ton of fun. So please Check it out on my social media. I'll post a link in the show notes as well. Come celebrate with us March 10th from 5 to 7 at the Brewer's Cabinet Production Facility. And then stay to play DJ Trivia. I'm going to be hosting with Vicky from DJ Trivia. It's going to be a really fun time. I hope to see you there. If you have any feedback, any guest suggestions, any ideas for episode topics, feel free to reach out. My email address is Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. I want to know who you want to hear on the show what episodes you like, what you don't like. I want to make sure this show is the best it can be for the people of Reno. And now, this week's guest, Rachel Story. Rachel Story, welcome to Renoites. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Connor, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about cat stuff. So we met like a, a few months ago while I was doing the last season, and we had this great conversation about what you do with Trap, Neuter, Return. It's something I had never heard of before. But I think it's a interesting thing to talk about as far as the pet rescue stuff, because we hear about the shelters, we hear about pet rescue, but I knew nothing about TNR. 
and you are really the TNR person, I think, in Reno, the expert on this, because you've been doing a lot of it. So there's a ton of stuff to talk about, cats and rescues and all of these things. But can we start by just giving some background of what TNR is? Like, what does that look like for you when you're doing this trap, neuter, release process when you pick up and when you return? But what is the, what is the process of trap, neuter, release yeah. and your part in it? So... TNR stands for Trap, Neuter, Return. It is a program for feral cats to try to reduce the overpopulation. What you do is you set traps with some food in them and you wait for them to go in the traps and then you take them into a vet to get them fixed, vaccinated, and then you recover them overnight to make sure that everything is okay. And then you return them the next day to where they came from. Again, the whole purpose is to reduce the feral populations and stabilize that so they're not continually breeding on the streets. And before you know it, you have 10,000 cats that live in a community and they're starving and they're sick. A lot of the kittens that come into the shelters, they were born outside to feral cats and people say, oh my gosh, there's kittens in this bush and they get them and they turn them in but they're not really fixing the problem of getting the mom fixed. So she will continue Mm -hmm. to breed over and over. And that's how the cycle begins. It's really, really an important process that not a lot of people know about. And that is alarming to me because Reno has such a great resource for this that not a lot of other communities or states do. So the goal is to get more people on board, have them pitch in so that the community could really stay on top of this feral cat population. So that's what I, my goal is, is to educate the community on how they can help and let them know there are solutions. Yeah. You mentioned that we do better here in Washoe County than other places in your experience. Can you just talk about kind of what the the differences between what we do here versus what other places don't? Is it is it easier to do TNR? Do we have more resources for it? How does this compare to other places? I can't really speak a lot about other places because I haven't called to check in. But from what I hear from other people um, who do care about cats and want to help them, places such as like California or Mississippi, Mississippi's I know random, but I just had a friend move there and she said there's no resources for cats at all. And so there's thousands of them. Basically, Reno has really two good clinics that deal with feral cats, the Nevada Humane Society and the New Options Veterinary Care. And they specifically have TNR days where anybody in the public, in the community, can bring in feral cats, get them fixed, and it's very low cost. Other places, such as California, they don't offer these services at all, so people can't afford the cost of getting these cats fixed. A lot of places, it's like $250 and up to get a cat spayed or neutered, and people can't afford to do that for their own pets, so they're definitely not going to do that for 10 cats that they have outside of their house. Um, Mm -hmm. So really, Reno just has these amazing resources, and they get grants for these resources, so we just need more people using them. How many cats do you typically trap? Like, what does the volume look like? Do you get a lot of cats at once? Is this something you do every week? What does that look like for you? I use Options Veterinary Care, 
and they have one day a week where they do TNR for feral cats, which is Tuesdays. So my weekly routine is to work all day, and then after work, I load up my kid in the car, and we go down to different areas, and we trap cats. The wintertime, it's a little bit harder to trap. I feel like most cats are a little more elusive. It's cold. They're hunkering down. So the numbers have been a little bit lower. I'd say maybe three to five cats a week. But in the springtime, I can get a ton of cats. The problem is I can only get as many cats as I can fit in my car. So I have to cap it off at like seven. However, I know of multiple locations in the community that desperately need help trapping cats. And unfortunately, I'm only one person and I can't go to all these different places one night a week. It would be amazing if I could do this full time and get paid for it and trap every day. I could bring in so many cats. Yeah, I was going to ask kind of what the bottlenecks are for dealing with the feral cat population. Is it that there's not enough traps available, that it's too expensive, that there's not enough people doing the trapping? And it sounds like the real bottleneck is just, is it not enough people willing to to do what you do? Absolutely. And I mean, part of it also is maybe you've, take care of the cats overnight too, right? Like before and after you bring them to get fixed. So part of it might be that people don't have a, a space for caring for the cats for those times as well. Is that part of the the bottleneck? Yeah, I do hear comments about that sometimes where they don't have any place to recover the cats overnight. And really recovering the cat just means you keep it in its trap, you keep it covered, and that's it. You don't take it out. Mm. You don't mess with it. Uh, you really shouldn't give them food or water because if you do, you risk opening that trap and the cat taking off. Um, so it is very simple to recover them. But yeah, a lot of times they don't have space in their home where they can seclude them or they don't have a garage to keep them in. So in that case, I've helped people in recovering them over at my house. I set up some heat lamps in the garage when it's really cold and keep them warm that way and just bundle them in blankets. But really, I think the big thing here is that people just don't want to take the time to get involved. So Mm -hmm. ever since I started my Feral at Heart Rescue Facebook page, I have just been blown up by the community, which is awesome. But the thing is, everybody wants my help and I just can't help everybody. So I really need more people to step up and do it themselves. I always say that I am happy to lend you out traps. If you can go out and take the time to do it, take them to the vet, then I will guide you through the entire process. You can call me at any time with questions. I'd be happy to do that. That's great. How did you get started on this? So I've read a little bit of your kind of background. So you've always been kind of an animal person. You've loved cats for a long time. How did you get started on both kind of caring about the cat community and then getting into TNR as like a main way that you help? So I lived in an apartment complex in Reno about 10 years ago. And there was a ton of feral cats. Of course, I've always been a cat lover and an animal lover. So I started feeding them during the summertime and the springtime. You start getting all of these kittens showing up. So I would take these kittens and foster them. Or if I didn't have the room to foster, I would surrender over to Humane Society and they'd find fosters. But I didn't really know that there was a resource to get these cats trapped until I was in the position um, where they just started coming to my porch. 
and that's when it must have been when I um, reached out to the Humane Society to start taking in some of these cats that I learned about the Community Cats Program, uh, which is the Feral TNR Program. So that's how I started getting involved. That summer, I was able to get probably 35 adults fixed and taken probably 50 kittens. It was kind of funny because I was 20 years old. I was super pregnant at the time and everybody knew me as the cat lady over there. So I would get people knocking on my door, gosh, at least once a week and saying, hey, there's kittens over here. Hey, there's kittens over there. And so I'd be crawling in these bushes with my big old belly, getting all these cats out. And that's that's how it started. Uh, it's kind of like once you see something and you know about it, you can't unsee it and you can't unknow about it. So for me, it's like always lurking. I know that there's cats out there. I know that they need help. I've seen some really bad situations. So I feel like if I'm not actively helping, then it just I just can't sleep at night. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are the different kind of outcomes for the cats that you trap and get neutered? Because some of them... I'm sure you can return to where you found them. Some do get adopted, I guess, yeah. if they're kittens who can be socialized. Oh, yeah. So what are the different kind of options for the various type of cats that you end up trapping? Do they all get released to where you found them? Do some get adopted out? What are the different kind of paths for mm. these cats that you're catching? Such a good question because there are different options. So usually a feral cat once it's past the the age of about 12 weeks old, the shelters don't want to take it in and spend the resources to foster it because they take longer to socialize, but it can be done. And that's kind of the area that I specialize in because I want to give these cats a chance. So for the younger ones, I will take them in and foster them. I also have a couple of ladies that help foster and we spend that time with them and get them socialized and then adopted out. The cats that are older, Sometimes they just can't be socialized or it takes many, many years. And a lot of people, when there's so many cats that need help, they don't want to take that time. Um, So the cats that are truly feral, it really is best to return them from where they came from. Uh, Relocating a feral cat is just a really bad idea. Nobody likes to relocate a feral cat unless it's absolutely necessary because it's not a good outcome for them. Um, You know, a feral cat grows up in a community. It knows its home. It knows its food, where the resources are. If somebody says, I don't want this cat here anymore, and they relocate it, that cat is probably going to take off to try to find its home. It could be eaten to predators that it's not used to in the area that it came from. Um, So again, I just want to emphasize it's best to return a cat from where it came from if it's truly feral. If it is used to humans, if it is semi-feral, if it can be socialized, I try my best to find those resources and get them off of the streets because I believe they deserve a chance. Is it like an okay life for a feral cat after they've been fixed to just continue living on the streets? I know it's it's scary and it's dangerous and there's predators and, and they're scavenging for food and stuff. But if they yeah. can't be socialized, I assume a better life to, you know, just continue out there in the wild rather than being unadoptable or put down or there's other kind of we talked about the there's like a barn program or Mm -hmm. whatever where they might be like sent off to you know to catch mice in a barn but a lot of times they end up 
prey to yes. predators if they're not uh, taken care of properly. So I guess, is it okay or good or uh, an, an okay life for a, uh, a feral cat to just live outdoors if that's where they started once they've at least been fixed so they're not creating more kittens? Yeah. And it's so hard because it depends on the situation. Sometimes they have caregivers who regularly feed them and provide water for them. And so that's great. But it's hard mm. when they come from areas where they're not wanted there and their people aren't feeding them. But yes, it is best because that's what they know. And feral cats are very good hunters. They have to survive. So they figure out how to do it. I'm not a fan of the barn cat program. I know the head TNR coordinator at the Humane Society also stands by that. Um, not really a fan. We'd like to get those cats back to where they came from. The barn cat program is for feral cats who have been surrendered and somebody doesn't want them back. And they do. They go to homes who like barn cats, you know, for rodent control. But if you think about the people who have barns, they live out in rural areas. There's high amount of predators out there. And usually those cats aren't familiar with that kind of lifestyle, that kind of street smarts with predators. So they often fall victim to coyote or hawks. Another time they will try to find their home again. So if somebody is going to adopt a cat because they would like a barn cat, um, that's great. It's getting a cat into a home that is sitting in a cage at the shelter, but they have to make sure they're doing it properly, which requires a lot of time to introduce that cat to a new area. So it realizes, hey, this is my new home. And then they don't take off. I know that this is a cat episode, but I wanted to ask you about the difference between how the animal control system and mm -hmm. the shelters treat cats versus dogs. <laughs> because when we talked before, you said that you can't really call animal control about cats. Like they don't do that in the same way that they yeah. pick up stray dogs and those kind of things. And I'm curious about why that is. I mean, I can guess that it's because you don't hear about cats attacking people or the fear of cats attacking people the way you do with stray dogs, bites, rabies, those kind of things. But is that part of the concern of the situation too, is that cats basically just are left to do their thing yes. in a way that stray dogs are yeah, not. It's so terrible. It's so terrible because yes, animal control will not respond to cat calls. If you say, Hey, I have a cat out here. They will not come and pick that cat up. They will come if it's injured or sick, but that's it really. And you know, it's just, it makes me so sad because the cats don't get the same kind of care or treatment or resources as the dogs do. I'm not 100% sure why that is. I know there's leash laws for dogs. So if they're running wild and they're not on the leash and, you know, pick them up. But yeah, it's very interesting to me how people will see a dog and say, oh my gosh, there's a dog. We have to get it. But then they see a cat and they're like, it's a cat. They don't think anything <laughs> of it when that cat could have been missing for like two months and starving. And so it is really interesting to see the dynamic between the way people respond to dogs and cats. But also it makes it very hard for the public to reach out for help when they call for help and they're turned down. So I've seen that in many situations. One of the feral cats that I trapped had a either severely deformed leg or it was broken and healed wonky. But this cat was limping around on its elbow for who knows how long. 
I reached out to the people who lived in that area and I said, hey, why have you guys not helped this cat? You know it's been here. And I honestly was surprised by the answer when they said, we've tried. We've called animal control multiple times and they won't come out for it. And so if that's the response the public is getting, then they feel helpless and they feel like there are no resources because animal control is supposed to be there to help you and to help the animals. But when they won't come out and help you, what else does the public know to do? Nothing. They have nobody else to reach out to. So they reach out to people like me or like other little rescues for help. But those rescues are always inundated. So... I think there definitely needs to be more solutions. I think it's very discouraging to the public when they can't receive help from the one source um, that's supposed to be there. So I don't know what the solution would be other than I wish that they told people that they could bring the cat in and surrender it. Uh, But I don't think they really verbalize that much or give other options uh, from what I've heard from the public. I know you had a recent situation with hoarding too, because sometimes we're talking about feral cats that are out in the wild, but you had a recent situation where there were cats that were, I mean, they're still feral, I guess, because they're not socialized, but it was a a hoarding situation. Can you just tell me a little bit about what that was like? And is that something that is also a concern or is that more rare one-off kind of thing? I don't think it's rare. I think there's probably a lot of households out there that are hoarding but it goes unnoticed and it goes without help. So I am working with another lady on a hoarding situation out in Fallon. It has been so hard getting any officials involved. And Washoe County is great when it comes to resources. And then you have situations like this out in Fallon in a Churchill County where they don't have the resources And it is so hard to get any kind of help. There's been about probably 60 cats pulled from inside of this person's house so far. And there's easily 40 left. Uh, We have nine litters of kittens right now inside of that house that we're working on pulling. Luckily, again, our community is so wonderful. The SPCA is stepping up and taking all of the kittens and all of the nursing moms, which is fantastic. But why is Churchill County not doing that? Why is Churchill County animal control not wanting to get involved? They say that it's outside of their jurisdiction. They advised my friend to call the sheriff's office and nothing has been done about it. So My main goal is to try to get most of these cats out, get them into safety. All of them are very sick. The vet bill has been $2,000 so far for just the nine cats that we have pulled this time. So it's very taxing financially. But once we get some of these cats out and get them into homes, I'm going to be investigating this further and trying to make more calls and Um, figuring out how we can help the situation and what the officials can do to get involved to make sure it's not happening again, let alone there's a small child living in the house. So it's really just a fine line because we want to make sure we're getting these cats out safely and not burning our bridge with these people. But there's also a lot of stuff that needs to be rectified inside this house as well. And part of the help for this situation is through the new cat cafe, right? Are some of these 
rescued cats from this hoarding situation. Yeah. Going to be part of the cat cafe thing. And I mean, I want to have a whole conversation about the cat cafe. Is that part of the solution? Yes. Yes. They have been such a godsend. So the new Enchanted Cat Cafe in Reno have been totally on board with helping us. They've gotten some sponsors to help with the financial cost of getting these cats healthy. And we have a couple that are recovering from their spay surgery. And I'm hoping next week they'll be ready to go over to the Enchanted Cat Cafe. So this is huge. We need more resources to place these cats in. And so the Enchanted Cat Cafe is, we're just going to do magical things over there because there's so many cats that need a place to go. And this is one more place that they have to go. So yeah, here with starting probably next week and moving forward, we're going to be having a ton of these hoarding cats coming into the cafe and they're going to be all fixed up and never going to have babies again. And they'll be looking for new homes. So I would encourage everybody to go down there and take a look at the cats and socialize with them. And if you have any room in your home, maybe you could adopt a cat from the Enchanted Cat Cafe and it would be um, so awesome to get some of these cats into good, loving homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of this idea of the cat cafe in recent years. It's something that we haven't seen in Reno until recently, but I've seen stories and Instagram posts and it's a really fun, different way of doing, you know, sheltering and and seeing these cats for adoption. So can you just tell me a little bit about kind of the cat cafe model and and how it works and what what does that look like and how does it work? Yeah, so I believe their motto is cats, coffee and connection. So it's this really cute little place where you can go inside, you can have a cup of coffee, you can have your business meetings or I don't know, a first date, that would be cool. (laughs) Um, But you can hang out with the cats and the cats are in a separate room. So if you want to go and support them, but you're allergic to cats, no problem at all. You can stay in that front area. You don't have to worry about allergies. But yeah, it's a beautiful concept. You can go hang out in the cafe. You can spend time with cats who need that bonding time with humans. You can adopt the cats And they are teaming up with multiple rescues within Reno and outside of Reno to get these cats into homes. A lot of the little rescues just don't have the resources to get these cats into homes. And most of the little rescues are so inundated with cats that they just need to move them um, to make room for more. So the Enchanted Cat Cafe is taking cats in. And um, it's really huge. This is huge for Reno. This is huge for us little rescues who are just overflowing with cats all the time. And um, it's great. It's really great. That's awesome. What is your experience with having cats of your own too? So you're taking care of these feral cats, but you have you have your own cats too, right? So can you talk a little bit about the balancing of doing this as a work and as a project and as something that is to help the feral community versus being just like a pet owner who likes cats and has <laughs> cats at home. Do those things overlap? Do you feel like a strong pull to it's totally personally adopt all of the cats? Uh, what does that look like as far as finding the boundaries oh, or dealing with, I'm sure you have like an impulse to rescue every single cat. I don't, like I've seen I don't know if there are boundaries anymore. across the screen right now. <laughs> what are boundaries? What are even boundaries with cats? Um, 
It is really hard because for one, I have, well, I started off with four of my own cats and then you get in one feral and you're like, oh, I really love it. Or it didn't get adopted when it was a kitten and now it's been here for six months and uh, it's hard. It's hard to pass them on the longer that you have them. Um, mm-hmm. I also have some semi-feral cats that I honestly should have released back to where they came from, but I didn't. And I wanted to give them a chance and uh, they're great. They love sleeping on the couch and the bed and they love being part of the family, but they're never going to be cats that you can just uh, cuddle with, which is fine. Hopefully mm-hmm. they find a good home that somebody respects that. But at first I started with them separated. They have their own little cat room and um, they would stay in there. But again, I've had these semi-ferals for 13 months now. You can't keep them separated for that long. So they have integrated into my household. And it's amazing because all these cats get along great and they all love each other. Um, I have a gigantic catio that they go in and out of during the day. So everyone is super happy here. But I'm at my my capacity too. I can't take in anymore. I don't have anywhere to separate these cats. So that is hard to separate my cats from ferals. Make You want to make sure that you're not risking your cat's health because you take in a feral. You don't know what their history is. So I've always kept them separated in another, in another room and tried sanitizing everything, including myself when I go in and out of that room. Um, but it is very hard. Ideally, I would love to have a space where I could have feral cats and then have my own space and my own cats in here. But until I have the space and the funds for that, it's just taking it as it comes. Mm-hmm. It is hard to make that separation. How much of the concern is around feral cats versus things like people adopting a pet and then surrendering it. Because we hear about that around things like the holidays or families will get a pet for the kids Mm -hmm. and then they realize they can't handle it. How big of a problem is the feral cat versus the adopted and then surrendered? Is the feral cat situation a bigger problem than people realize? Mm -hmm. Or is it just a particular part of the situation that you've been drawn to? Kind of where does the feral cat situation fit into the picture of Mm -hmm. animal control and shelters? That's a really, really good question. I think they do go hand in hand because like I said, the, the majority of kittens that are brought into the shelters are born to outside cats or feral cats. And of course, everybody wants to adopt kittens, but then when they're get when they're older, they're like, "Eh, this kitten's got to go." Or, "Hey, we're moving, kitten's got to go." So, if we could focus more on spay and neuter with all pets, yes, but if we could focus on spay and neuter of feral cats, there would be less kittens coming into the shelters every spring and summer. And then there'd be more homes available for the cats that are already in the shelters. I truly feel there'd be more cats getting into homes. Maybe even, I don't know if I'd want to say less turnover with rehoming. I'm not sure. But I I think that the feral cat population definitely contributes to overpopulation in the shelters, overflow. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just so many cats coming in and not enough homes to, to take them in. So yes, spay and neuter your pets and they are lifetime commitments. That's all I got to say on that. <laughs> yeah. 
It sounds like this is kind of trying to address the problem further upstream rather than dealing with the overflow in the shelters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, there needs to be more resources for people to be able to afford to fix their cats. It's been hard, especially with COVID, and we've seen a huge population boom with cats having babies because of COVID and because clinics are closed or because they're backed up or because people can't afford it. So we really need some lower cost options to allow people to get these cats fixed. Options Veterinary Care in Reno is amazing. Like I cannot say enough good things about them. And they help so many people with the cost of vet care that they wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. I would highly suggest people to reach out to them if they truly need financial help. They do their best to help, but they keep their costs low. I believe that the people who need help need to be using it, and the people who don't really need that financial help should probably stick with their own private vets to allow that help for other people. How do we do with pet stores and stuff? I've noticed in recent <laughs> I hear a Can you hear that rooster? <laughs> a little. Oh, is that a yeah, rooster? One of my boys. <laughs> I was like, what is that? I'm so sorry. Uh, that's fine. Uh, it's, not, it's not that bad. Uh, how are we doing with pet stores? I've noticed this trend in recent years of fewer and fewer pet stores and people are, I think it might even be illegal for certain types of pet stores in Nevada. And that's really encouraging for me because I remember not that long ago, there was a lot of conversation around things like puppy mills uh-huh. and pet stores that were using really unethical practices, those kind of things. Do you think that we have gotten better about that? Is that something that affects? We're trying. You you hear more about puppy mills, but do you hear that about cats as well? What's your thoughts on how we're doing more generally as a society around pet stores and adoptions? Are we having a better sense of how to treat animals and how to deal with pets? Do you think we're on the right track there? Is there more that you'd like to see? I do think we're on the right track. Man, um, Puppy Mill Free Reno has pushed so hard in the recent years to close down these two puppy stores in particular in Reno and Sparks. Thankfully, the one in Reno has closed. I'd like to say that Puppy Mill Free Reno has had an impact on that with all of the protests that we were doing and the publicity. But that store has closed, which is fantastic. The thing is, they still have a Sparks location. So City of Sparks needs to get with the program. Come on, guys. Because what's the point of closing one if you're like, okay, well, let's just go to Sparks. Um, Mm. So we need to work on that still. But yes, those puppies come from horrible places. And I think they need to be closed down. And people just need to be rescuing from the shelters. Or if you are looking for a specific breed of dog, go to a reputable breeder. Like don't don't support a puppy mill where these dogs spend their lives in cages producing litter after litter and they're not receiving vet care and then they're sick and they're disposed of like garbage. Go to a reputable breeder. Go visit that breeder's house or location and rescue a dog instead. We have so many purebred dogs in the shelters as well. We also have so many purebred rescues. So lots of rescues will emphasize on one, you know, or a few breeds of dogs. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're looking for a boxer, guess what? There's a rescue for that. I wish cats had more resources in general, but there's not. So I think that's also why it's dear to my heart is because there's not a lot of resources for cats. So I try to help as much as I can. 
but overall, I think we are doing doing well and progressing as times go on, but there's definitely more that we can be doing. Mm -hmm. What's it been like the last few months as far as taking your work that you're doing around TNR and building around it? Like you have this new Facebook page you mentioned, there's the Enchanted Cat Cafe. So can you talk a little bit about what it's been like from this is just something you started doing because there was cats at your building Mm -hmm. to actually having some space for your cats at your house to now having a more like official name. Yeah. Yeah. What has that been like going from starting to where you are now where it feels Mm -hmm. like everything is getting a little bit more legit and a little bit more structured? Yeah. Well, definitely as soon as you make a Facebook page and that goes public, it's, you know, it spreads like wildfire and then you get everybody wanting your help. So that's been great. I'm glad that people now have somewhere that they can lean to for help. And that's all been happening so fast. But yeah, I started 10 years ago. I did it really hands-on for a while. And then I kind of stopped, you know, as life continued, as I moved from that apartment complex. And then once I got situated in my new house a couple years ago, um, I started helping again. Again, I go back to once you know it's there, you just you can't unsee it. Once you start helping, it's like, oh my gosh, there's 20 more cats there. I got to get all those cats. And then you're like, okay, here's another location. I got to get all those cats. So you just kind of like a snowball effect. I would love to do this full time. And I'm, I'm manifesting that and it's happening. And since this new year, things have just been going so well. I'm I'm quitting my job to go work at the Enchanted Cat Cafe, which is going to allow me more time to educate the public. It's going to allow me to rescue more cats. So this is, it's awesome. I can't wait what the future holds. And I hope one day that I will get paid enough money to, to just be able to help cats and help the public help cats. That's great. What should What should people do if there are feral cats in their neighborhood? Should we feed them, not feed them? Assuming we don't have the ability to do TNR ourselves, is it just contacting you or the cat cafe or the shelter? You said animal control won't really do anything about it. Is it a bad thing to feed or take care of these cats? Does that encourage them to continue to be in the neighborhood? Like what is the best approach for someone who just has feral cats in their neighborhood? Yeah, well, you know... I'm going to give my opinion, and I don't know if my opinion is going to be the same as what the Humane Society would suggest or what other organizations will suggest. So um, I think, yes, if you have feral cats, they need to be fed. They need to be cared for. They're usually not going to go away if you're like, don't feed, if you don't feed them. They're still going to be there. They're just going to be starving. And I've seen that you know, I, I've I've seen so many starving cats because they're not being fed or because they're only feeding a little bit. And that's just sad. They're going to be there regardless. Feed them, provide shelter for them, but you have to get them fixed. And that's huge. And so for somebody who can't get them fixed or doesn't know where to start, I would say reach out to me on Facebook. My Facebook page is feral at heart. I can help you. I can provide resources and at least, you know, try to help as much as I can. But yes, I say feed them, provide a warm shelter for them in the winter months, get them fixed and try to be proactive about it. Maybe if you're not able to do it, maybe you can gather up your neighbors and say, hey, we have some cats here 
if I trap, maybe you guys can take them to the vet or, you know, whatever. Just get your community on board. Do you think that that's something that's missing is this cooperation? Is it that no one wants to step up and take the responsibility? Is that people are not working together to solve this? Is that part of the problem, basically, that everyone feels like, oh, that's that cat's not my problem? <laughs> yes, I think so. I think that's I think that's what it is, is um, they it's not my cat. It's not my problem. Or it's, I'm too busy for this, so they don't want to help. But look, I'm busy too. Trust me. But you have to take a proactive approach, especially if you don't want the cats around. Because if you have one feral cat hanging around, next summer you're going to have 12 of them hanging around. And that 12 breeds really quickly and it gets out of control. So you have to take a little bit of time and help the situation before it gets out of control. What is, what's the most enjoyable part of this whole process for you? It's obviously you get to see all these cats that you really care about. You, I'm sure, get to make some connections with these cats. And, you know, we fall in love with yeah. animals, especially when they're sweet and they're cute and they're kittens and stuff. So what do you really love about this work that you're doing? And then also, what are the, the challenging parts? What are the parts <laughs> that are really difficult for you? Oh, geez. Um, so the rewarding part is lots of rewarding parts, but the rewarding part is knowing that you're making a difference in these cats' lives, whether you're getting them fixed and knowing that they're not going to be having all these litters of kittens, that's super rewarding. Knowing that there's not going to be all of these litters of kittens born on the streets and having to fend for themselves their whole lives. But also when you do help cats that are in need, such as the cat that I spoke of earlier who had the broken arm or deformed arm, I reached out to somebody because I, I was able to trap that cat. It did have kittens too, which is amazing how it could survive and have kittens. But I was able to get that cat off of the streets. And now she lives in a wonderful place with a wonderful person. And she's never going to have to suffer again. Um, so that was one situation that's really rewarding. And gosh, when I trapped that cat and saw her, I was brokenhearted. Um, but it was such a good outcome. It's so rewarding to foster these young cats and see them progress and turn into like these little love bugs who want to be pet and then see them go into homes. Oh, I cry every time. Like, please take care of my baby. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the most rewarding part is just knowing you are making a difference. Whether it's one cat or 10 cats, that, that world is changing for that cat and that's what's important. The challenges are time constraints. It's such a lengthy process. I mean, every Monday when I go trapping, it's a late night. I'm sitting in my car for hours until I get cats. Sometimes I'll be waiting for hours and I have one cat. The challenges are financials. I solely rely on the community's support and monetary support in order to do what I do because it is $25 a cat to get fixed with the volume that I do. I, I, I can't do that with my own money. So I rely on the, the community to come together. The other challenges are uh, just emotional challenges and having to face some really sad things all of the time and still pushing through. Mm -hmm. Another challenge is finding space. You know, you can get a ton of cats Maybe half of them will be adoptable, but the shelter is not going to take on that re that responsibility of spending the time to adopt them out. 
because they need that extra care. And so you have to figure out what you're going to do with these cats because you can't take them all on. Where can people find you? What can what can people do to be aware of what's going on and to get involved in some way? Obviously, donations, I'm sure, help. Mm-hmm. Obviously, adopting cats, you mentioned, mm-hmm. is a great way to support what you do and you know give these cats a home. So in general, for listeners, how would you like them to, to get in touch or get involved or participate in, in what you're doing? Well, listeners, you can always reach out on Facebook to see how to get involved. Um, again, my Facebook page is Feral at Heart. You can get involved within your community. And if you see a cat, do something because you don't know what that situation is. You don't know if that cat's lost. You don't know if that cat is sick or hungry Maybe that owner's been looking for it for months. So take that cat to animal control where its owners will get a chance to get him back. And if not, he'll go next door to be adopted. Or if it's feral, reach out to someone to borrow a trap and trap him and get him fixed and bring him back. You just never know what that situation is until you do something about it. So I always encourage people just get involved because that is what is needed most is bodies helping in this community. It shouldn't be up to two or three people in this community to take on this entire workload. Another way you can help if you don't have the time or the capacity to physically help is um, monetary help. So donations are helpful. Again, it costs $25 to get these cats fixed and vaccinated, and that's just for the ferals. The cats that I'm taking in from the hoarding case their vet bill was $2,000 and that did not even cover their spay and neuter. That was just on vet care because how sick they were. And thankfully we had a sponsor come forward on that. Otherwise, uh, I don't know what we would do to cover that cost. We'd probably just have to take all of them to the shelters and, you know, give it up to them. Um, So donating, you can donate to Options Vet. You can donate under my name, which is Rachel Story. And that goes to the cats that I bring in. You can donate uh, through Venmo. That helps with food and litter and gas for all the cats that myself and my foster ladies take care of and the gas for running these cats to all their appointments throughout the week. That is something that I always eat the cost on and it's really hard, but that is important to me. So I do it. Another way you can help is provide food and shelter for cats that you know are living in your neighborhood. Those are the three main things that I have. The other one would be to sign up as a foster. Foster homes are always needed, especially in the springtime. That is kitten season. Everyone needs fosters. And who doesn't enjoy spending time with all these little kittens? So yes, participate donate, foster, and adopt. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about cat stuff. I think that the work you're doing is really important and something that, like I said, people do not know that much about. I think we're very aware of, you know, shelters in general, but I think the TNR part is really interesting and something that I think kind of goes under the radar. So I appreciate all the work that you do around it. And then, um, and for coming on, on the show to talk about it and let people know. I'll 
I'll put links to all your stuff in the show notes. Sounds good. So hopefully people can get in touch and get involved. Yeah, and I will also be at the Enchanted Cat Cafe as well, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So if anybody wants to come down, if they have questions, if they want to learn how to get more involved, I will be there and I will be so happy to meet everyone and help you through that process and let you know what you can do. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, Connor. Listeners, thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of Renoites, and special thanks to my guest, Rachel Story. If you're interested in getting involved, if you have feral cats in your neighborhood and you're willing to do Trap Neuter Return, if you want to check out the Enchanted Cat Cafe, reach out to her. You can find her on Facebook. That's Feral at Heart. I'll put her contact information in the show notes. Or adopt a cat. Cats are pretty great. Maybe you should get one. If you enjoyed this episode or any other, please do me a favor and help spread the word about this show. There are tens of thousands of daily podcast listeners in Reno, but most of them don't even know that this show exists. It's hard to advertise. It's hard to get the word out there. So let people know. Share this episode. Post on social media. If you know anyone who listens to podcasts, ask them, hey, do you listen to Renoites? That really helps people find out about us, and I really appreciate all of my listeners helping me get the word out there. Also, if you have a moment, I would love for you to leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Apple still doesn't show my podcast when you search for Reno. I've sent them so many angry emails. Oof, like really angry Karen emails. But I think one of the things that might help me show up in the listings is just more reviews. So if you have a moment, it's very, very easy. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a positive review for Renoites. Maybe that will kick their algorithm into gear or something. And I would just really appreciate it. When people find the show on Apple Podcasts, I love for them to see the reviews and know that listeners really value the show. That's all I've got for you this week. Hope to see you on March 10th at the Renoites anniversary party. Have a great week. 